Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name's Jake. With me are those couples, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and our producer, Terry. This week, we're here to talk about Praxius, written by Pete Mateague and Chris Chibnall, directed by Jamie Magnus Stone, aired February 2nd, 2020. Jill. Yes? What'd you think of this one? Well, Jake... I actually watched this one twice all the way through, Holy paying attention, shit. and listened to the Brothers podcast on the story. Them. Do you? Um, and I was hoping just to get more out of it, but I couldn't, and it happened both times. I got like 25 minutes into the story, and I was like, this is great. And then on minute 26, I was like, this is so boring, I can't watch the, the rest, but I have to because we're doing a podcast on it. Literally at the same point. Like, I love the development of the other characters, like the supporting cast. But then when they actually get into the story or, like, the Praxius itself, it's boring. That's my feelings. Terry? I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it had a lot of fun drama. Uh, it was really great to see all of the uh, family members off on their own areas of the world. And there were great comic bits in it as well. Sam? I enjoyed some of the sporting cast. Didn't like some of the sporting cast. Thought it was a really interesting um, story on pollution and microplastics. And I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. Cody? I learned some things, which was kind of cool. I'm with Sam. There's some really shit acting and some real amazing acting, and you could see them both so very clearly. So this episode gets a solid B for me. Oh, are we ra- are we rating episodes now? <laughs> we're we're rating them. We're rating them on a scale oh. of A to B. <laughs> oh no. Join us next week as we talk about Rose. <laughs> we'll start rating <laughs> oh, every episode. Alex, what'd you think? Uh, it's it's a good story. I I enjoyed it a lot. It felt big, uh, and yeah, it was just neat. It was good. Neat and good. Jake. Yes. How are you doing today? I had a pretty good day. I mean, I worked half the day, but... Oh, not nice. Unless, wait, that's overtime though, right? Cash money, bro. Hell yeah. I was just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Jake, did you like this episode? Um, I don't remember what we said about it when we did our brother's episode after this aired. Jill can tell you. You really talked like nothing about the episode at all. Surprise. (laughs) 
Well, okay. That's for in married podcasts. <laughs> in our defense, we were going over all of the speculation from the previous uh, episode because we were doing these as they were releasing. It was mostly just speculation. This story, too, was mostly speculation. So I don't know what you thought of it either. Well, I feel like this time I liked it a lot more than last time. I think the guest stars are pretty good. Uh, the virus is a good idea. It is sometimes spooky, sometimes funny. I think it's got a good mix. Like Jill, I think the middle really drags. Um, and it kind of gets fucked over by being really close to Orphan 55, which is also about pollution, which is kind of a bummer because this episode's so much better than that one. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think it fits where it is in the season, but we'll talk more about that later. Is it a bacteria or a virus? It's a pathogen. It was a virus. It was a pathogen. It is a thing that carries a thing. Didn't you mm. even, like, watch the episode? God. Yeah, two weeks ago. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you watch it two weeks ago? Like, right after we recorded, I watched it, like, a day later. <laughs> Girls excited. Oh, so, like, ten days ago? Eleven days ago? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> God damn it, Jake. <laughs> Stuff. I would like to address immediately the obvious porno that's in this story. <laughs> that was really the best part and the worst part of the whole story. Jill was really, really Into excited it? about two girls, two girls <laughs> traveling. I One paused tent. on the way back, or while I was watching it the second time, and I was like, Alex, what context can there be two girls doing something and have it not be a porno? And I came up with nothing. Two girls, one blog. Two two girls, two uh one wait. I'm out. I think it has to be like two girls and then a verb. Two girls, two moms. No, Whoa. this uh. still still the porno. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how about two girls fucking dudes? And I was like, nope, that's a porno. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Plot twist, it's not. They never show the blog. It could be. <laughs> also... Well, but they just assume everyone consumes their wait, smut. did she only yeah. assume that the guys knew her? Did she ever assume that any of the girls no, knew she her? No, yes. Oh, she dang. She, okay. yeah. yeah, she knew, or she thought Yaz would too, but how many times do they have to use two girls roaming in one story? Like, there's just heavy emphasis. I... It's ridiculous. So we can just get into her character. Hated her. Thank you. I, I was waiting you hated for that. Gabrielle. She was so annoying. And she was like, her best friend died. I'm assuming they're best friends. Okay. They're well, porn she stars. didn't well, seem to at care. Least business partners. She didn't care at all. The rest of the episode, she's like, hmm, friend died. I guess, uh, well, moving on with life. Even when all she knows is that her friend is missing, she's just like feeling up Ryan yeah. and getting her rocks off. It up. makes no sense. I hate her character. Well, she's probably bringing her out there to kill her. She also doesn't <laughs> redeem herself. Doesn't redeem herself at the end when she invites herself on the dude's honeymoon. Go <laughs> right. away. And then Ryan calls them like three idiots roaming. Exactly. Got him no, good. What one idiot and two dudes. I just don't like her. I like the guys. <laughs> the guys. I don't know, at least one of those dudes is cool. pretty dumb. <laughs> Was he? 
I mean, yeah, he's but super redeemable. boys in the store. Yeah, well, he's an ex-cop, man. He had a calling. Following a text to China? Like, be yeah, from his husband. Be prepared if Cody ever gets fired. He will be tackling kids <laughs> in your local Hugo's. <laughs> well, well, there's a I difference. He probably enjoys being a cop. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, back to it. I do want to talk about Jake and Adam a little bit. For me, as a Jake, this is the second Doctor Who Jake. Coincidentally, the second gay Doctor Who Jake. So it's uh, just an observation. No, no comment. <laughs> um, but it starts with... Um, so we're supposed to believe that Jake is you know, in love with Adam and his husband is strange or whatever. But he finds out about Adam miss- being missing on the news. Like, if they were a real couple... He would, even if they're estranged, he would know exactly what day that that guy was, like, re-entering the atmosphere. He'd be watching the news, like, incessantly. He wouldn't just, like, oh, happen to see a couple days later that his husband is missing. Maybe yeah. he's a That's raging a alcoholic point. who can't remember the date. He was at well, a bar. for sure he is. Yeah. He would know. Also, if he didn't see that broadcast, like if they were showing a football game or something, and he didn't see the broadcast and gets a text message, be like, help me. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? <laughs> but also, how did Adam, it turns out he goes there and Adam is there. How did Adam text him? We talked about that in Brothers. Ooh, that's a really good point. Pretty sure it's just like the alien technology they were connected to, or he was connected to. So he did it like mentally texting? Yeah, Jill comment is like, why is it all caps? Yeah, why is it all caps? Is he just yelling? <laughs> Adam! <laughs> I don't remember what the third message was. It was help, Adam. I don't remember. So does that continue? Was. Does he have like the callback number to Adam's mind? <laughs> we can just call him from anywhere. Uh it's far enough into the future, like by a year, that they've invented tel telepotexting. Telepotexting! Uh, <laughs> This, this takes place now, <laughs> Trade, in trademark, 2021. Copyright. Uh, Love it. Married to who, by the way? Also, no, Jake, you're wrong, but also you're right. But you gotta believe it. Maybe he discorded him and forgot to take caps lock off because he's hooked up to a computer or something. I don't know. Not arguing about the caps. <laughs> Wondering how he texted this dude. That's, well, like he's, Discord. he's dying. He discorded him. He's okay. not. He got him into the, they hooked him up to the machine. That has Discord installed on it. Last big thing that I want to complain about. Why is he in his spacesuit the whole time? It's comfy. When would he when would he have time to change? Maybe he was when kidnapped. he is dying, they could get him into something <laughs> more comfortable. No, was there, they, they was there a line about like not getting him out because it was like helping him I or is too dangerous? So. When they found him, he was connected to all this like machinery yeah. and stuff. Graham tells t- Jake, "Yeah, rip him out of there." And he's like, "I thought you said not to." He goes, "Well, circumstances have changed. Love that line. Like, we're being shot at now." Yeah, great line. But that uh, has nothing to do with the suit. Yeah, I don't. I I just assumed there was a line in there that I missed because otherwise, yeah, that bothered me. Any anything else about Jake and Adam before we move on? I thought they were both good. I don't think they were. The bad actors that you guys are talking no, about. They were not great. Even close. Love Absolutely them. Their amazing. Storyline was fun. Love that part. It was great. 
And Doctor and Who straight totally up just sense. had a gay couple and also had them kiss on screen. Like, I feel like we don't do that in United States uh, movies, TV shows. I wouldn't be able to specifically reference one, but you just don't see it. Not too much on network, anyway. Yeah, network. That's it. They are about the only two gay people in Doctor Who that didn't die. Oh, Wait, geez. are you sure? He almost died. Both of them risked their lives. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm happy that she was able to uh, transport around him in the ship. Like, I knew it was able to happen before. And it's like, if she doesn't fucking do it and he dies, like, what the hell? Okay, I'll, but... I'll say, while we're on complaints... I'll say this for Cody. Cody called the ending how he was going to stay back and man the it plane. Was the most, and yeah, yeah. then he was going to almost die. And Oh, of course. So overly yeah. predictable Doctor Who. <laughs> Not to be repetitive because it's on Brothers, but um, I would have brought it up if I didn't just listen. But just the fact that now that we have the expectation that the Doctor can just save somebody in the last second kind of is annoying. Well, I remember watching it the first time being mad because my assumption was she would just go land the TARDIS up there. I mean, we saw it in season one when Captain Jack stole that bomb. We'll just fly the TARDIS onto his plane and get him off of there. But the doctor in this is like, oh, fucker's dead. Nothing I could do. And then everyone else is like, uh, could you try? And she's like, oh, yeah, I guess I could like totally save him if that's what you're interested in. But, but now, like with that precedent, nobody should die on Doctor Who. Well, sometimes the TARDIS is uh, not on the table. Can't use it. Doesn't work. Ran if it's away. just a matter of moving in space, I think it's fine. If she doesn't back up to save people in time, it's okay. If she's time traveling to save whoever she wants, then it's a problem. Was she just waiting to see what Adam said and seeing if Adam wanted to get rid of him or not? And was like, oh, <laughs> you do still uh, like him? Okay. That's kind of what I was thinking because... <laughs> oh, no. That's so they dark. need to have a huge talk before they go on this honeymoon because <laughs> Jesus Christ, he's dying and he just leaves. I'm like, I'm not good with emotion. It's like, it's your fucking husband. Get back in there and support him through his death. They don't, like, what are you doing? They don't have to have a talk anymore because Jake listened to Adam and he's he's living now. Wait, what, yeah. what, what was the word? All right, Marrieds versus Singletary, go. <laughs> Wait, what was the quote? <laughs> yeah, what was it's it? like stop avoiding life, or uh, yeah. it wasn't that. Yeah. Stop dodging, yeah. stop dodging. dodging life. Yeah, but that I feel like it was a little salty too, because he's like, it, it's probably meant to be sincere, where he's like, "Look, I'm not dodging life," but I think it's a little salty. Like, if you want me to not dodge life, then I'm putting my life on the line. Oh, I didn't, Fuck you. I didn't see it as salty. I saw it as like devotional is that a word for i mean the whole relationship is also not very healthy in that one partner is comparing himself to the other and going wow i'm a piece of shit and he's an astronaut how is this gonna work and it's like you have issues that you need to fix first to be fair to be fair to jake He's a piece of shit, and his husband's an astronaut (laughs) (laughs) so like true so he's not it's pretty tough And I think it just goes to show that in every married relationship, one person is secretly way worse than the other person. I'll let you guys figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) A long time ago. Uh, No, I also think it's it's been seven months since they've seen each other, so there's going to be no talking because they're walking on the base blue balls ever. It's going to be three days before they say anything 
They're taking Gabriella with, or Gabriella, whatever her name she's is. She's going to blog it. She's she's making <laughs> two guys fucking. I don't know. Yeah, she's got to get money somehow. She's clearly down to have sex for money, whether <laughs> it's for her OnlyFans, <laughs> which is what they would have now. Oh, true. Yeah. Only 18 months later, they would she'd have an OnlyFans. For sure. Or, she probably know. does. You should look it up. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Jamila. Or they're just... Uh, they're just dropping her. I did see a fun fact that I didn't write down. Um, the other lady who is immediately killed, first Brazilian actor to ever be in Doctor Who. Oh, she got eaten nice. by birds uh-huh. and exploded. <laughs> immediately. And I think this is like her only IMDb credit. Well, don't. Aww. Sorry. She is in a bunch of stuff, but it's all Brazilian stuff. Um, this other lady, Gabriella, is in basically nothing. I wonder Sorry why. for talking shit about your Sorry. only Brazilian actor there, Doctor <laughs> Who. Oh, no. But... Uh, not great. Well, Jamila she, wasn't as bad as no, Gabriella. Yeah. She didn't get a chance. She didn't do anything. She didn't have anything well, to screw up. She died. Plus, she was in the scene where they slept in the junkyard anyway. Just made me hate <laughs> the whole thing. But it was pretty obvious in those first minutes that they had together that she's getting pretty sick of Gabriella's shit, too. How <laughs> bad would that junkyard have smelt? And why didn't they just go back to the other side of the bushes where it's not a junkyard? Right. Just so terrible. I think they just wanted to make that joke. Well, I think it's, you could say it's like, well, they're being geo-tracked by their followers, so they have to be like in a specific location. That's not creepy That's a much more clever explanation. Also creepy. Well, they they say that, they talk about their subreddit and that, you know, they have contacts that will like call for help when they need help because they don't have cell service where they are, but they can get on Reddit for some reason. they said they had a subreddit? Yeah. Have you looked at their subreddit? Like IRL? <laughs> no. I wonder if they actually... But she also says when they do find out where... I I, I, I didn't write down the other person's name. Um, When they do find out where she is, it's because someone on Reddit like ping, got a ping off of her cell phone. And oh, she's like, I oh, it's it... a mile away. No, Gabriella said that someone had called for an ambulance. And so yeah, then but they it followed was, but the she ambulance. Heard, but she heard that on the subreddit. Right, the subreddit got... Like, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. a ping on the cell phone. It was yeah, yeah. someone yeah, had yeah. called 911. Wow. This all happened completely under my nose. I was confused at what she was talking about. And, like, the ambulance. I think she said, like, ambulancia. And she was just looking at her yeah. phone. I was like, I don't. What? <laughs> so that sheds a little bit of light. That there. was a really fun uh, death scene, though. Oh, for her. Well, Most and then the like, slice of horror movie leading up to it. Like, yeah. just ultra creepy hospital. That was really fun. I liked that a lot. Well, let's use that as a good opportunity to move to the doctor's part. One one thing I really like about this story is how it really feels like they are all over the globe. Yes. And while Ryan's in Peru, the doctor's in Madagascar running down a beach. And I really like that scene. Just the, the shot of her going absolutely insane. And, uh, yeah, pulling out that dude, and all of a sudden he just immediately dies. We've talked about how the companions don't really seem to have a lot to do. It felt like even bringing on the three extra people, everything, everyone had a lot to do in this episode, and they were all interesting plots. Yeah. They did a very good job. I think Chibnall is good at that. But it seems like it's just when he wants to. Like, sometimes he has a very specific story he wants to tell, and it just doesn't require that many people. 
And so they get pushed off to the side. But I think when he wants that dynamic, he's really good at it. And I don't know how much of this is Chibnall and how much is Pete McTeague or McTie, however you say his name. But yeah. uh, in Madagascar, we very conveniently get the best lab ever with Sookie and other guy. This guy had nothing else in his IMDb. Was that guy also an alien with Suki or like also being fooled? I think he was being fooled. Okay, because if he was also an alien, he wouldn't have stood out there and like gotten eaten by the birds, right? Right. <laughs> totally forgot there was another guy there. I like how he's like, oh, I'll hang outside and watch the birds. And Doctor's like, good idea. <laughs> You're <laughs> definitely going to die. <laughs> Well, especially when he, like, walks way out on low tide. Yeah. Like, right. let me walk further to these birds to get the view yeah. of what they're doing. It's like, just look up. How far away could I be to make it absolutely impossible for me to get back the girl before being murdered? knew that it was the plastics, but she, did she know that the plastics were in the birds? I don't know the answer to that, but she came to this planet specifically because of how much Plastic. plastic was on it. Right. But I'm saying... The guy could have been an alien because they maybe didn't know that the birds were infected with all the plastic. Well, I think it's just I think that knowledge is just kind of coming to them as well, because those birds aren't from Madagascar. And I think they've kind of just arrived. That's horrifying. And so they're, they don't quite have all the info yet. So is the understanding of the birds just that they're dying, so they're freaking out? Well, it's because they, their biology is what the aliens are looking for. They have the ability to fight this virus. But because they're birds or because it's still, it's not like 100% effective, instead of dying, they're kind of going crazy. Because they're sick, but they're living. And so them acting weird makes... The doctor and the team look into them, but they're what the doctor gets the cure from. God damn. Okay, Jake, take a breath. That was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got your breath right here. <laughs> two two last things I want to bring up before we move on to the, the China team. Um, one is the talking cat in Ontario, <laughs> which is hilarious and the fact that the doctor wasted so much time looking into it because she thought it was related and then when they find adam and she's like i didn't know you were a part of this spent way too much time on that talking cat uh the other thing i wanted to say is when uh gabriella's partner dies they do something in there that they've done this is the second time now that they've done it in this season where one like the team's all spread out one of the team discovers something and calls the doctor and then she just uses the TARDIS to show up. And I really like that because it does make the story seem big, but also it uses the TARDIS in a way that we don't really do a whole bunch by having it actually move in space through a story. And it's just, it's fun to see the doctor come running down a hallway and being like, oh, I'm here, what's going on? And then the camera just kind of pans over and you briefly do see that the TARDIS is at the other end of the hallway just kind of out of focus. I did notice in this one that every time the doctor showed up, at least in the beginning, it was, it was kind of other than the Madagascar one, but it was kind of, uh, 
off camera and then she would say something and everyone would turn around and be like, doctor, you're here. Well, I do want to bring up that specific instance again, but let's move on to the China team, Yaz and Graham, just off on an adventure between them. I think in this time, Alex, you and I were really hoping for just like a Yaz and Graham team up. Mm-hmm. And here we got it. For a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, Graham was kind of the butt of the joke. Yes. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't hold the scanner upright. I love that so much. <laughs> Terry went insane <laughs> after hilarious. that joke. That... When Yaz turns it over and he's like, through that door. <laughs> Terry <laughs> didn't stop laughing it. for a hundred seconds. He was <laughs> absolutely insane. The fact that Graham took that and just embraced it with his statement was what made it so fucking funny. It was good comedic timing. Yeah. And it does seem like in this season, I know I know we brought it up before, that Graham is getting more of the comedy bits that were maybe given to Ryan last season. And Ryan's getting a little more of like the like the wise speeches that Graham was getting last season. Even though Graham got one in here, Ryan gets one too, talking to Gabriella. Ryan had a good one-liner too, and I don't remember what it was. Oh, his was when um, the doctor's like, uh, Ryan Sinclair, you grabbed a dead bird in Peru and you might have saved all of humanity. And he goes, well, I am here for you guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he also had a really good looking jacket. Like at one point they had this great side silhouette and his collar was popped up. It was like, holy shit, Ryan is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it helps when you got those pecs. Right? <laughs> yeah. Ryan had a good bit of swag this episode. Yeah. I really liked, so I I did notice the Graham like one-liners of him being dumb and I didn't appreciate him. But I liked his relationship with Jake. Like it felt a little bit early Graham and Ryan-esque. Yeah. And it was fun to see that again. Like, helping him through, you know, the emotional stuff. Ryan's all, like, solid now and, like, a complete person. I need to find some other broken soul to (laughs) latch on to. Totally was it. I do think that Warehouse China... Sorry, Terry. uh, That China Warehouse scene was, like, properly scary. And, like, or enough scary to, like balance the episode out because it does sometimes maybe get a little too funny and so you, you got to have those scenes to bring it back down i agree i also think like the watching the bodies getting get taken over that was creepy every single time so creepy um the first time so we saw jamila or whatever get taken but not really up close and then no no it was her where they like take the blanket off her head or the sheet off her head, mm-hmm. and then it's yeah. the close up of her face. I thought it was Tim Shaw or like something related, <laughs> like because it was just like, looking. T- yeah, yeah. It was. similar. Yeah, is that supposed Not to be the, the same, plastic? But... I don't know. It looks more like um, stone, like coal, like yeah, like geo. stone or yeah. shell. Well, I don't know if it was more just with the human DNA that it caused him to explode. Because, like, when you looked at the rubber people, they were those aliens that were taken over, but they didn't explode, which then made me confused as to why Suki exploded later. Suki had a second dose. Oh, that's right. Okay. Suki was a sneaky little bugger. Yeah. I love that she was a bad guy all along. That was super fun. Well, is she the bad guy? 
Yes. <laughs> yes, they're using Earth as a petri dish yeah. to It's pretty this is pretty bad to study so, their okay. disease. I have more complaints. She just like <laughs> She just spills her entire guts in her whole story because the doctor was like, Hey, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm not gonna tell you as she spills it all. If I were going to tell you, I would tell you this. Yeah. <laughs> Hated it. Yeah, the, the yeah. exposition was kind of odd. But it is, fun. like, that happens often enough in Doctor Who that it's then fun to see it played with, like in Vampires of Venice, when Matt Smith turns on all the vampire ladies and says, tell me your whole plan, and then turns around <laughs> and goes, one day that's going to work. Yeah, and yeah. it did they work, and I don't like it. definitely should have thrown that in. They. This seems like the heaviest episode for exposition and constant questions to pull out the exposition of all Doctor Who episodes. Like all good mysteries, I enjoyed the buildup, but not the explanation. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, these guys are fucking, like, drama writers or, in some cases, like in Stephen Moffat's case, a sitcom writer. Like, come on. The science could be close enough. Does anyone think there's any parallel and or story arc content in this episode? Here's where I'm going with that. I feel like there's some sort of parallel between what Suki was doing and whatever's happening with Gallifrey. I would never have even thought of that. That's because, like, you're saying that because Suki's planet was destroyed? Yeah, well, like, it's her last-ditch effort to save her planet. Like, she comes to Earth because there's... I mean, I mean, it happened to be Earth because there's plastic. But we know there's something going on with Gallifrey and Time Lords or Gallifreyan people. We know that the Master destroyed Gallifrey because he found out they were lying. But we don't know what they're lying about. We don't know what he found out the that plastic. they're lying about. The Time Lords released Praxius. Maybe? No. I hate it. If that's it, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I regret I ever saying it. I think it's Praxius, but I do think there's a parallel. I don't know what it is, though. I would be surprised if you couldn't find a parallel once you do find out what it is. Mm. Um... There is something in this that I think is is part of an ongoing arc that we don't know about yet, and that is Yaz Breaking Bad, which I am still holding on to. <laughs> it is still going to happen. Breaking so, Yaz. Speaking of Yaz, I'm so happy that she had balls in this and said no to the doctor. And it's like, no, I want to go back and get this thing that I saw. Be back in a while. And it's like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think she's trying to prove something and not to the doctor. She's trying to prove something to herself, trying to prove something to somebody else who maybe wears purple a lot and <laughs> is played by Sasha Dewan. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jake, when we were listening to this in the car ride, like in the Brothers, you you were talking about that in that episode. And Jill's like, how come Jake hasn't brought this up in our married to who? Does that mean it's true? And I'm like, I don't know. First of all, this is like the third time I brought I it up say, in married to who. You have. <laughs> brought it up in Spyfall. Brought it up later. <laughs> Gonna bring it up next week, too. 
Um, along with talking about the microplastics, as the doctor would say, a Petri dish was used. It kind of correlates with animal testing because they come to test on humans, but humans test on animals. So you're testing on lesser individuals. If anyone got that, I got that. All I can think of is I said Petri dish earlier, and even as I was saying it, was so mad that they say Petri dish. Like, no, come on. I also just wanted to say Petri dish. Is this episode a little too close to home, given the year and a half we just had? <laughs> Maybe. It felt. It did It did come out about two weeks before everything, or two months before everything got shut down. Oh, or no, damn. This was about almost exactly a month from when we all went to Seattle. I found the line of rhymes that I like when... The doctor's talking about microplastics being inside humans, and Graham was like, excuse me, I'm not full of plastic, and Ryan comes back full of something. Just quietly in the background, I giggled. That was the one I was trying to remember. When you said Ryan said something really good. You know what I hated about the plastic thing? I like the concept, that's fine. I hated the doctor going, but humans aren't full of plastic. But wait. (laughs) But they are. Verbatim. Hated I do that. like her immediately going to Autons. You're like, oh, is it Autons? No, it's not their style. And then maybe be like, oh, I wish it was Autons. <laughs> <laughs> I did like seeing the way she brainstormed. Like, I feel like we used to get that a lot and maybe haven't gotten it as much or I haven't noticed it. But I do like when they're like, oh, maybe it's this. No, it can't be that. But maybe it's this. That seems like a tenant thing. Yeah, and that's, you know, she gets flack for doing Tenant sometimes, and we used to make fun of Tenant for that, the no, yes, no. Love it. And she oh. did that in this one so hard. <laughs> for the second environmental story in a row, we get Ryan sitting on the floor next to a pretty girl calming her down with his charm. Is that just Ryan's thing now? I could he's see it. He's a charismatic it. guy. He's a, Ryan's he's getting a charming it. guy. I do love when they're all running to the TARDIS at, with the birds chasing them, Ryan falls over. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice that. I didn't He just kind of stumbles. And I don't know if it, because they are running in sand, which is hard. And so I don't know if that's just like, that really happened or if like he did it on purpose. Because if he did it on purpose, it was a choice. Me too, because it was a real good yes. stumble. It didn't look fake. And. But it's it's nice, you know, Jill's talked about not really being a fan about his dyspraxia, but I do like moments like this where they don't have to talk about it. Like, the whole point is that he has this disability, but that he's still awesome, and that he can still run around and do all this stuff with a doctor even though he has it. And, you know, that gives kids that have disabilities, you know, a hero to look up to or whatever. And <clears throat> so I like that they can do it. And if you're looking for it, it's there, but also, like, they don't have to talk about it all the time. Agreed. Can I talk about something I hate? Nope. Let's keep the train rolling. As long as it's not me. <laughs> Besides tatters? <laughs> <laughs> um, the editing. Editing in the story is terrible. The very beginning seemed impossible to keep up with on what's going on. If that's what you're you, talking about. Are you talking about not like quite. the the cuts back and forth? Yeah. So not the story editing cuz if it goes from like 
Peru to Madagascar to China back. That's in the script. That's supposed to happen in that order. I'm talking about when two people are talking and you're cutting between, like you have a shot of Graham and then a shot of Jake and then a shot of the both of them and then a shot of Graham, but from behind Jake's head, you know, cutting between those shots was atrocious in this. And then they did the same thing when Yaz and Gabriella are in that underwater base. So in every one of those cuts between Graham and Jake, the what they cut to, the uh, the actors aren't matching the emotion of what they're coming out of. Or a lot of times they're not even looking the same fucking direction. And then they cross the 180 degree line multiple times and it's it totally takes you out of a scene and it's like the number one rule of editing you're not supposed to do that and they do it constantly in those two scenes that chat between graham and jake and yaz and gabriella in the underwater base i didn't really notice it but sure yeah (laughs) well for people listening who might not know the 180 degree line um, when you're shooting something, like if I'm shooting two of you guys talking, one of you's on the left, one of you's on the right, like I can cut back and forth to one of your faces, the other face, a wide shot of both of you. But the whole time, the person on the left has to always be on the left and the person on the right has to always be on the right. If I all of a sudden jump to a camera angle from the other side of you, so the person on the left is now on the right and the person on the right is now on the left, without any story reason for doing that, that's called jumping the line. And it's super jarring to the audience. And it's not a huge deal when it's just two people sitting on a beach talking. But when it's Yaz and Gabriella exploring an underwater base and they do it constantly, it throws you for like, you don't know what direction they're walking. You don't know what they're looking at because the camera's just all over the place. Maybe that's why that scene was so confusing to me. That was really weird. Yeah, yeah. That, that underwater scene was weird yeah go back and look at it if you get a chance because you know yaz will be looking right at something the direction right not right at it um and then it'll cut to a different angle and she's walking towards it which is okay but then it'll cut again and it's on her left and it's just it makes the whole space like hard to follow interesting i almost wonder then if it wasn't more of a we need to show off this set that we've made so let's get it from multiple angles or because it was such a plain like this is a tube that we have made into like a thing i think that's more likely is that it's so lame that they're like we need to jet make it look bigger by shooting it at a bunch of different angles we gonna spice it up i did like the underwater thing though like it was really visually fun with all the textures and like i love the rib cage that was in there and like i was really hoping it was another planet and <laughs> i found it was so funny it was like we're at the bottom of the ocean yeah it's like ah, damn it <laughs> oh man the master told me to find another planet <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's like her sleeper cell trigger like once she finds it, her own planet then she'll like pop off and all of a sudden be like super evil you guys want to do some tweets? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter and give us your thoughts on these stories, you can do so at Married to Who Pod on Twitter. Chris at This Emo Trash says, Should have been sea devils. 
you guys don't know, the sea devils are a 70s monster that are cousins of the Silurians, but the underwater version. Um, going from an amazing episode to this one makes it all so much more disappointing. A gay relationship is great to see, but also feels forced. Like, I can't believe for a moment that these two people are actually married. Very skippable episode overall. Passion Fruit Santa Jar Candle at B underscore Bird underscore Moth says, it's okay. End of tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I feel that tweet. That's uh that was really that's really rapid fire there. That's how I like to tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie. So I'm gonna kinda skip around here, Ollie, maybe come back to some stuff later, but uh get to stuff that maybe we didn't get to. Um for a breather episode, this is brilliant and surprisingly dark. And perhaps a little close to home at the moment. And while it's not one I rush to rewatch, I like it. It's really effective. All the characters are fleshed out and have distinct roles, and the message comes through without being forced. The fam are great. Splitting them up works really well, giving us agency for all of them. Ryan working by himself is great, giving him the chance to show his character without Graham there to bounce off of. Pairing him with Gabriella works well too, giving him someone to work alongside, but without the doctor's confidence is such a good idea. Uh, pairing Graham and Yas together is really great too. I really like the relationship between them and their scenes in the opening are great, comedic and light, but still pushing the story along. And having the doctor by herself investigating is always great, getting the confused civilians and the doctor's babble. Um, I really like the homage to Broadchurch and Jody running down the beach. Does that mean anything to you, Sam? Yes. I did not think of it before, but yep, that makes sense. Double shift on. (laughs) The Praxis infection itself is such real body horror. Adds a creepy feel to the story, especially the scenes where they explode. And knowing them adds to the threat for Adam. Having Warren Brown in this was great. Don't know who that is. He's always incredible and was the same in this. I was a little disappointed he wasn't his big Finnish character. Not that they would ever do that. But he was great as a pseudo companion. And I believe his chemistry with Adam. Oh, so that must be Jake. Having a queer relationship front and center in this, especially one that has a happy ending, is wonderful too. The Suki twist in hindsight was pretty guessable, but I like that. Uh, The eco message is effective in this. It's not subtle, but also not forced, and focusing on microplastics is clever, taking a lesser known issue and making it important to the story. Um, You're left with an understanding of the problem without feeling like it was a soapbox. One of the few negatives I have about the story is how quickly the character deaths are glossed over. Gabriella seems angry after Jamila's death and that's dropped after after they discover the teleporter and the ending seems to imply that Jake and Adam would be replacing her and Aramu's death isn't mentioned again once it happens uh would have liked them to have some more impact than they did uh this isn't an essential episode but I still like it so I'm curious what you all think I've got a soft spot for next week next week's episode so I'm excited for what you'll think of that and I can't wait for the others. There's nice. not many others left. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. And finally, James Courtney at Mr. J. Courtney says, Okay, so if you guys remember, after Orphan 55, he said there's another reason he hates that, that he's going to tell us later. Here hey, it is. Yeah. Okay, so the final reason I don't like Orphan 55 is that I'm sure people think less of this episode because of Orphan 55. 
They both have an environmentalist message at heart, but this one executes it much better. It helps that this episode is much better made, although the bit where Graham has a chat on the beach looks like a reshoot. Um, I love the scope of the episode, a proper globetrotting adventure. It's nice to have a gay couple that didn't end up dead. Obviously, the virus plot hasn't aged well. COVID was only an issue in China when this episode went out. Well, not really. But if the series had been a month later, I could easily see them not airing it. And as ever, we know that James Courtney's tweets are actually written by Matt at the Married... Or at the uh, Neither Time Nor the Space podcast. I guess I, I know it was brought up multiple times. I didn't think less of this episode as compared to Orphan 55. This one is just so much above it that it didn't bother me. I think it bothered me at the time. Just that there were two environmental stories in the same season. I think it would have bothered me more if this one was first and then you get a knockoff one later. Because that's what happened with Satan Pit and 42. And I do not like 42. Well, those are an entire season apart. So maybe if they were truly like a year plus apart instead of for us, like maybe eight weeks, it would have been different. Maybe. That does bring up at the very beginning when I said what I thought about this story, there was something else I wanted to bring up about its placement in the season. This, I think, the way it looks and how globetrotting it is, I think could have been a season opener. And I think that this is actually like a really bad spot for it. Because we just had the big reveal of Jack coming back and the Ruth Doctor and this huge story. And then we're going to have this and another one. And then it's like the end game for the season. And I think in both RTD and Moffat Doctor Who, this would be where we have like a two-parter that kind of brings everything down, but is a fun, sometimes scary story. And I think this would have been a good spot for something a little more different. Not just like a current day Earth runaround. It just feels like that's not what we wanted right now. Especially when that's basically what last episode was. It's basically what next episode is, too. And I just think that those three episodes in a run, given what where we know the season is headed for, like, the climax, and after, like, the reveal of the Sasha Dewan Master, I think this is just, like, a really misplaced part of the season to put this story and I think it would have gotten a lot more love had it been somewhere else. I really do like season openers where it seems like the TARDIS team are all popping up everywhere. You're like, oh, hi, this is one part of the TARDIS yeah. team. Oh, hi, here's another part. Like, I do like that a lot. And it's so rare that we have a season opener. Like, season six is the only one I can think of that you don't have to introduce a new doctor and you don't have to introduce a new companion. Like, yeah, season two, the Christmas special introduced the new Doctor, but barely. Like, we still had to get to know him. And so, to use that time to introduce the Master kind of seems like a waste. Like, that's something that should have popped up in that, you know, again, if this was an RTD season, it would be that first third of the season two-parter that pops up. I feel like something like this would have been a really good season premiere, just to be like... Hey, everyone who heard about Jodie Whittaker's doctor who's new to the show, here's the doctor and here's the 
the fam and here's a fun adventure and they're running all around the planet and it's a good time instead of like hey there's this dude he's the master sometimes he's a nazi he's gonna kill everybody it's a (laughs) two-parter it's a bit of a drag and we're gonna wipe these chicks minds against their will i wonder have we we haven't seen this doctor and the tardis team in like an alien bazaar and they're like trying to take in like different cult like different universal cultures yes no and i want it so bad yeah i think i think maybe something like that would have been awesome whenever i think the only time we got anything close is when they're all looking out the door of the tardis at like supernovas (laughs) yeah or or maybe that that um spa like orphan 55 but that was still earth i guess yeah and it took two minutes for everything to go to shit yeah Alien Bazaar just reminds me of Rings of Akatan. Yeah. And like, and you yeah. know what's the best part of Rings oh, of Akatan? A million percent, <laughs> but it puts a sour taste in my mouth because the whole episode was just kind of, ugh. How dare We're... you? I love Rings of Akatan. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta solve it by and, singing. And, oh. and there's Jake's bad episode. Yes, I will take it. <laughs> the, the song is great. The Alien Bazaar is great. The speech against the sun god is great. Fuck all you guys. <laughs> and I don't mean you six. I mean everyone else. Yeah, the speech was top, top speed. Okay, tell me that the moped scene was amazing, Jake. Uh, it's a space jet ski. <laughs> it's so bad. You can't not have fun on a jet ski. <laughs> um, Alex, give me that fun fact scene song. Hold on. Ooh. Oh, jeez. Alex, more... hold on. <laughs> I have one more thing from Brothers... In who? No, what? What is it? Alex, that's us. <laughs> yeah, that's us. Is Hello. it Brothers in I'm Who? Alex. You mean, yeah. um, wait, what was it going to be called? Brothers to Who. Just Alex kidding. wanted to call it Brothers to Who, but I never thought no, that made sense. That you guys, no, it what was the one where it was like an anagram? Oh, oh I, I don't know. I tried yeah. so hard. I never I came up with anything re- close to I good. I can't remember Oh, no, anymore, you, had, you had a dumb one. Our, anyway, that one. Our 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 porn podcast is two brothers, one who. <laughs> <laughs> or two brothers whoing. It has to be a verb. All right, so in brothers, Alex says bag of worms, and Jake doesn't correct him. Killed me. Does anyone know what a bag of worms is? There's only so many times I can correct Alex in a day. <laughs> yeah, Jake, you were actually pretty nice to me in that episode, unless you cut out all the other stuff. You didn't cut out that one. No, no, no. Like a bag of worms is like a is weird veins in your scrotum. <laughs> like the saying is "can of worms," and the only reason I know this is because a lady I work with uses bag of worms all the time, and every single time the CEO sends her a picture oh. of a scrotum with weird veins, like the. Bag How of do worms. you guys not go to HR for shit <laughs> like that? That's the CEO, man. What the fuck? So funny. But she still does it. And then she catches it. She's like, bag of worms. Dang it, can of worms. No. Uh, no. <laughs> so it was I've, good. I long ago it. learned that Alex has never correctly learned a colloquialism or turn of phrase. What are you talking about? Just... I'm going to chip off the old snowball. <laughs> just slightly <laughs> wrong. Okay, <laughs> that's it. Can do a fun facts now. Alex, give me that fun facts you song. Hot Ram Weirdo. That's what it was. 
Yes. Yes. (laughs) That was the best I could come up with as an anagram for married to who. It was going to bother me until I thought of it. Hot ram. I wish you had not said that because now I am full of regret (laughs) for not calling our spinoff podcast Hot Ram Weirdo. We have only one who gets it. Okay. This is the last episode of Doctor Who that Millennium FX worked on. Okay. The last episode? Alex, give me that MVP theme song. <laughs> oh, wow. MVP. Alex, who's your MVP? I'm going to give it to... Um, man, I'm going to give it to... Fuck, man. <laughs> He's going to give it to man. Man. But which the man? The director. I'm giving it to the director because the scenes looked huge. Like the sets they were on looked great. Everything looked really good and big and awesome. I like that Jake complained about the director earlier. (laughs) I complained about the editor. Okay. Don't you have to direct where the cameras are going though? Yeah. No, you get all your coverage. And sometimes you do sit with the editor. Um, I don't know how Doctor Who works. Maybe the production team and the editors and Chibnall edit everything. I have no idea. Sorry, I'm looking up the dude's name. Um, I I know what it is, but I'm looking up what else he's done. So it's Jamie Magnus Stone, who's got two more episodes coming up in the season. He also... It's the last two. (laughs) Um, He also did Spyfall Part 1. And in last episode... Um, Fugitive of the Jadoon, he directed the scenes with Jack because uh, that was done at a later time in like a closed off set. And at, like uh, the director who did the rest of the episode wasn't available. Those scenes with Jack were really large and in charge too. <laughs> well, and I've seen shots of them shooting that and it's basically like we're in this cavernous altar room uh i'm just gonna put the camera a hundred feet away and because it's a digital camera we can zoom in after the fact to get whatever shots we want e z yeah he definitely he's i mean he's mine too he's my uh mvp and we'll see in the next couple episodes that he does that uh he's good jill who's your mvp i think it was jake yeah, I'll take it. Oh, you mean... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Jake was played by Warren Brown. Oh, there's your Fantastic. Warren Brown. Fantastic. Mr. Brown. Sam, who's your MVP? I'm gonna go with Adam, because he had to play half dead for half of it. He did a great job. <laughs> Matthew McNulty. Also, did his head change shapes once he got out of the suit? <laughs> Just the highlighting on his face. Yeah, his face was real gray. <laughs> you know, looking up those two guys, they like one of them was in a Poirot and one of them was in a Miss Marple, and they were both in Shameless as like heavies, like just like tough guys, it, but like separate episodes where they each just played like a tough guy in the background. <laughs> so they've had very like similar careers up to this point. UK shameless i'm assuming yeah that would make sense cody who's your mvp 
I'm with Sam McNulty. I was nice. gonna go Ryan, but yeah, I I, uh, I got pretty sold on McNulty from being the sick guy. His yeah, his acting in the first scene when he was, and it's probably whoever was doing special effects, but the special effects didn't really match the ship in the beginning. But fuck, man, he could play a great dead guy, <laughs> that dying guy. <laughs> you know, if it weren't for those two, I probably would have picked Ryan. I think he was, it was a great episode for him out of the fam. But uh, just to single him out among all the other actors didn't seem right. And, you know, getting a bunch of good acting performances, you could attribute that to the director. So uh, another reason for that. Terry, who you got? My MVP is the makeup designer, Claire Pritchard. I thought her, the with the geodes growing out of their skin, like you didn't see seam lines of any of the latex or anything like that, and it looked very believable. Like I just loved it so much. Oh, man. Terry and I were watching a Classic Who episode maybe six weeks ago. I can't remember which one. And someone is supposed to have a scar on their face, and you can see the piece of mesh that they put over their face because it also like goes over their eyeball and, but it's just like this piece of mesh they put over their face. So they could put the makeup on top of it, but the part that goes over their eye is exposed because they made that episode in the mid sixties when everyone at home is watching on a shitty 13 inch TV in black and white and whatever. And we're watching it on a 60 inch 4k on a blu-ray <laughs> and they're just like this is not how we thought anyone would ever watch this so we're just like fuck it <laughs> just put them out there <laughs> hey, anyway is that everybody how many of you are there do we get a new one did you say yours director yeah. oh yeah you did yeah that i was the last one it is now time for everybody's favorite podcast quiz sensation the Doctor Who pub quiz featuring the Marrieds. <laughs> the teams are as such people and who they're married to versus Terry and who he is not married to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he's not married to a lot of people, though. Like yeah, the whole I've world. got a great team. <laughs> I'm going to ask a question. It's going, these guys are going to go into their separate discords to answer i'm probably when editing gonna skip all this part and then i will reread the question i'll i typically read it very quickly and without all of the words so i'll try not to do that and then i'll leave a little space so you at home can play along is everybody ready yep. yes no but also yes <laughs> in into the dalek the doctor and a team go inside a broken dalek the Doctor meets that Dalek again in Capaldi's final story. What is the name that the Doctor gives this Dalek? Bolts. Like, surprisingly close. Damn. Rusty. It is Rusty. Oh, Shit, I said nice. Sparky. In the Series 6 two-part opener, The Impossible Astronaut, Day of the Moon... A small child calls Richard Nixon and tells him their name. How is the doctor able to use this name to find the child? And what stands out about those names? 
Well, you see, Jake, it's a very specific name found only in the region of Paraguay. And within the region of Paraguay, if you look at the small village of Unst. You're actually, like, super close, just being, <laughs> like, a dick about it. But I, I think Alex knows. Yeah, it's uh, it's two street names, and it's an intersection. and that's It's where actually they're... three street names. Oh, three street names. Okay. And so it's, like, a weird intersection. It's Thomas Jefferson Hamilton, or I think it's Thomas Hamilton oh, Jefferson wrong. or whatever. Oh, Jefferson we Thomas close. Hamilton. We said something so, Franklin. <laughs> yeah, so it's three street names, and the only place in America that those intersect is in this place in Florida. And that's how the doctor finds him. Or her. Also, what makes them distinct is that they're all presidents' names. Mm. So I'm going to give Alex and Jill one for that. Okay. Cody said it was coordinates as a name. I was I like, mean, sure. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> His name is minus point one zero zero. Okay. In World Enough in Time, Bill is trapped on one end of the spaceship that is moving faster through time than the other end. She spends decades with a man who turns out to be the master. What name does the master go by while in disguise? Is it Marco? <laughs> it is not. Dang. How about Casey? <laughs> no. We literally is spent... it guns? Or Bob? We literally spent our whole time with me describing what the episode was to Cody. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, yeah like once once i learned it was the master the fake name left my brain it was mr razor mm, what yeah sure uh, nope. uh, damn i, I would have accepted razor ding a bell i yep i do kind nope. of remember that now <laughs> bob razor okay like half points at least in in gridlock the doctor and martha are stuck on the motorway for eternity until the face of Bo helps them out What's the name of the planet that they are on? And as a bonus, what is the name of the episode in which this planet previously appeared? New Earth. Are we supposed to wait for five seconds? New Earth is correct. Or like... No, I oh. have that in later. Okay. Yeah, New Earth. I... And I can describe the whole episode of the other one, but cannot remember the name of it. Jill and Alex, I, I take it you did not get it? Well, I said New New Earth. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Terry? I, I said New New York. I thought that was. It wasn't See, that something. I in... would, it's actually the 16th New York, so it's New 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 Fuck! <laughs> that would have tied it up for you. Boo. Boo. Nice. In The Magician's Apprentice, Clara is teaching her class when she discovers that the planes have stopped moving. Clara is teaching her class about a famous author who she says is a great kisser. What author is she talking about? Jane Austen. That's correct. Yeah. Oh my Jill, that's man. incredible. Jill also pulled that out, and I was amazed. <laughs> you, Jill, got it too. Jill, like, so we're like, well, it's not. Uh, what was Agatha Christie yeah, was our first? That was one. the first one that popped in my head, but I was like, I know it's not that because we had her in an that episode. Was, that was my guess, and I came up with the question. 
Yeah. <laughs> I no. got it wrong. And I, I knew, but I was like, Jill, what other, because it has to be a female, because that's the whole point of the fucking joke. Like, what other, like, famous English female authors? She's like, Jane Austen? I was like, that's fucking it. <laughs> that's awesome. Terry so we have a tie. Did not, no, I think you guys won by one. What? Uh, we only have three. We only have two. You guys got two on the last one, didn't you? No, we, no, we said they it, didn't, but didn't they write the it bonus. down. Oh, I thought yeah. that meant you got it. No. Okay. Well, let's give it to him because I want to do our tiebreaker. <laughs> okay. I, we get a lot so... of give me points, Cody. <laughs> what did What did Terry get for the last one, though? He was wrong. He already told me. Oh. What was it, though? I said Emily Dickinson because I couldn't hmm. remember Jane Austen. That's not a terrible answer. Yeah, that's a good one. I got zero for a score, by the way. <laughs> we know. Is that a change from any other week? <laughs> it Just is time for, for the tiebreaker question. Matt Smith is the youngest actor to have played the Doctor. Peter Capaldi is the oldest actor to have What's played the, the Doctor. What's the age difference? Nope. Oh. Almost. If you take Peter Capaldi's age when his first episode aired and subtract Matt Smith's age when his first episode aired, what number will you have? And uh, before anyone jumps on my dick on the internet, William Hartnell was only four or six months younger than Peter Capaldi when their first episodes aired, and they shot TV differently back then. So he might have shot his first episode two weeks before it went out, and Peter Capaldi might have shot his first episode eight months before it went out. So it's possible William Hartnell was older when he shot his episodes, but I was specifically looking at how old people were when their episodes aired. Alex, what number did you guys come up with? 35. Terry, what number did you have? I just came up with 27 as fun. Cody and Sam, what number do you have? 33. Well, Matt Smith was 27 years oh, old man. when his first we story not, aired. No, we so said old. he were younger. <laughs> and Peter Capaldi was 56. Oh, we guessed his which age, makes right? the number Jill's 29. Close. Oh, I was so close. For fun. I think so Terry, Terry wins. Terry gets the tiebreaker, but he wasn't a part of it. So <laughs> Cody and Sam win. We got Capaldi's age right, but we thought Matt Smith was younger. Yeah. 23 or something. Yeah. Alex, give me that paper crumpling theme song. This has been Married to Who, our podcast on Praxius. If you'd like to participate in our socials and tweet at us, you can do so at Married to Who Pod. You can follow us on Instagram, Married to Who. Our, or you can go on our... Or you can email us, Married to Who at gmail.com. If you want to listen to this podcast in any other way than you do, you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on our website marriedwho.com on behalf of myself jake cody sam jill alex and our producer terry thank you so much for listening please join us next time for what the fuck is that episode called please join us next time for can you hear me Be-do-do. 
Do 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 do